If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Well, it's that time again. No, it's not time to go on a scavenger hunt for toilet paper. It's time for How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSA Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. We have abandoned all of our rubrics of how many episodes are being released when and where because of uh, where we are in the world. So uh, wherever you are and whenever you are, if you have a calendar in front of you, just throw it away because it's just a diagram of dates and we have no idea when and where we're talking to you. But we're happy that you're with us. As always, you can find us on the interwebs. Our address is osipfoundation.org. The email address is podcast at osipfoundation.org. And on social media, facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram at osipfoundation. Hashtag how you play the game. Across the way from me, the producer engineer of the episode and show, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic, as always. And we have a very special guest with us today, friend of the show, making his return appearance from morethanbaseball.org, the grand poobah of that fantastic organization, Mr. Jeremy Wolf is with us. Jeremy, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Back by popular demand. Oh, absolutely. We had people coming in via all sorts of mediums, or I guess media at this point, that's the plural of the word, saying uh, get, get him back on the show. And uh, once we learned how to listen to them, we decided to do that because we're uh, <laughs> we're dumb people. Right, Sean? L- listening is hard. L- listen, it's hard to just be a human these and days. And reading is hard, too. Well, that's for you, buddy. <laughs> so, now, Jeremy, we have, this is a good problem to have. Since we last spoke, your organization has done some fantastic things, both before and then during the uh, current pandemic. So where is it easier to start as we highlight uh, what you have done? Well, it's easier to mention what it is we do. Okay. Um, we, we make sure that minor league baseball players have what they need to develop uh, efficiently. Um, we make sure that they have what they need to play to their best of their ability. Uh, you know, we work with right now over 300 players to help make it easier for them to play minor league baseball. Well, what's the, what's the point? Well, we're a tool for player development. Um, and I think last time we spoke, we were still trying to figure out like our mission and our plan and actually how to present it to a wider audience. So, you know, more than baseball is a tool to make players play better. Um, well, how, well, if he gets housing, if he gets access to housing, food, equipment, uh, you know, access to things he needs that can help him, you know, relax off the field, recover. Uh, we have mental skills coaches. We have nutrition coaches. We have so many different tools that are going to help him recover off the field, which means he's going to have a higher opportunity to play better on the field. And if we give him the best or give him access to the best possible equipment, uh, you know, all that matters at this point now is, is, his performance like is he is he able to play to the best of his ability and and so we have a lot of uh value in this field right in this area because our whole organization is designed around what's going to make a minor league baseball player uh play better and from that we get to use minor leaguers to help build baseball in the community and so uh as a nonprofit, i'm able to do so many different things with just being a nonprofit, like uh, you know, Adam Wainwright's two hundred fifty thousand dollar gift to help players, or so many different corporate sponsors that now see a need to work with this group of professional athletes, help assist them on the field, where then these athletes can then help assist 
them off the field. Because the the common misconception here is that minor league ball players get all the same amenities that major league baseball players do, and that is completely false. In that, you know, the minor league baseball players are lucky to get, uh, you know, a, a small fraction or percentage of uh, what these professional major league baseball players get, and thus your organization comes in and tries to flatten the curve, for, for lack of a better term right now. I mean, you, you, you do so many good things to uh, promote these minor league ball players and give them the, the, the basic common uh, human needs and decency that they deserve in order to reach their highest potential uh, so that they don't have to worry about you know, so, so many of the other minor things, no pun intended, that, that they shouldn't have to worry about as they chase their dream. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, the minor league baseball players make, um, you know, at the lowest levels $45 a game and then at the highest levels $75 a game. Very few players are making a signing bonus above $100,000. Uh, we know that from the research we've done and the players that we have sign in and you know, we we know everything about every player that comes into organization, and we realize that like uh, there's a lot fewer baseball players who can even say that they can make a living off of playing professional baseball. And then, uh, if they do happen to make a signing bonus above a hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars, even two hundred. 300 500 whatever they have no idea what to do with it right and so i was tired of seeing guys you know make us five hundred thousand dollars signing bonus buy three cars a house uh you know waste their money on on nothing when um if they just had some knowledge going into it once they get a five hundred thousand dollar after taxes whatever once they get a check let's let's got let's help them put that money away and so there was no organization you know when i was playing there was no education there was no anything in any of these areas that we're doing and we're just trying to fill in the holes and because of that we're able to say well it's going to help us play better and it's completely true like if i if i can leave the field after working 10 hours a day after making 45 dollars that entire day um you know if i leave the field with the right type of food in my stomach and not fast food like is normal in minor league baseball. If I can go sleep on a mattress and not an air mattress, that's normal. You know, a lot of players are sleeping on air mattresses. If I, um, you know, have the ability to just recover both mentally and physically, I'm going to play better. I'm going to get one more hit a week. If I get one more hit a week, I'm going from 260 to 280. 280 to 300, 300 to 310. So I'm doing what I can with the resources that we have and the network we're building to make it easier for players to feel welcome and work with us, which now because of the situation, a lot of them are. Right. And I can present it to a major league team to say, bring me in and let me fill in the holes of your player development. You have a player development staff of five people and you have 180 players that you need to work on developing. There's value in it for you to work with a company like mine to make sure that these players develop. Because if these players have what they need to develop, they'll play better. No. On, the, on the flip side, on the on the flip side, I can work with. Um, I have I have the ability to work with brands, to work with uh, local businesses, to work with um, you know to to have to build this community of assisting these professional players as they make their way to the major leagues. And so from that. We can build this entire community of brands, baseball people, baseball fans working within the game to ensure that the future of the game is then 
is then protected because there's value in it from both for both the players, for the companies, for the managers and coaches whose jobs depend on player development, to the teams whose jobs depend on player development, and to winning at the major league level, which is actually based on not buying free agents but creating homegrown talent. Right. Now, since we last spoke, and obviously prior to this pandemic that we're all experiencing right now, there have been a couple of stories of some of the fantastic things that you've done, uh, some of the teams that have brought you in. Uh, Can you give us some examples prior to the pandemic of what your organization was able to do? Because when we talk about the pandemic, we've seen what you've been able to do, and that in itself is is a question and a segment in itself. So prior to that... What got you through to this point where we are now? We obviously weren't built for a disaster right. like this. We weren't built for chaos. I don't think anybody was. Baseball, so, yeah. when, <laughs> uh, more than baseball has done nothing different since this started. Now we just have a greater influx of players working with us because there's a genuine uh, uh, urgency in their need. Right. So at first... We're getting in front of players, and they go, oh, what do you guys do? And I go, I help you play better. And he goes, where do I sign up? Right. Guys will do anything <laughs> Guys will do anything to, to get a leg up on the field. And so it was easy for us. If I just got in front of them or messaged them on Twitter, like he would sign our intake form in five seconds. Right. Go, yeah, we can help you play better. Great. Well, now players are coming to us because people within their organizations are going, well, we can't help you if I'm on such and such team. I'm not going to name names, but right. if I'm on the Marlins and I need help from my team, I, you know, the Marlins aren't going to do anything to help me. But they'll go, hey, you got uh, more than baseball. They're willing to help assist you. And that's where our value is, is because we're doing nothing different when we get now this influx of 450 of the 6,000 plus players. Right. Uh, working with us, but now it's just on a on a larger scale, and so we're able to work within the system to help the system. And it all comes down to if these players were treated like they should. And I'm, I don't know. I don't want to name specifics, but if you give you get the situation, you know that there are things that teams can do to help their their employees. Right. Um, I do what I do because I have the ability to work within the game. Right, and work with management at a team level, to work with um, players, to work with coaches and managers to say, well, it's a tool, it's a tool for player development. Right. Like that's that's what we do. We just have to be a nonprofit because when somebody like Adam Wainwright wants to give us a quarter of a million dollars, I'm not gonna say no. Right. <laughs> right? So, and in, so, so we, in that yeah. case it makes the most sense then from a business standpoint to maintain that nonprofit status and to act as uh, a separate a nonprofit entity for for business purposes, because I guess in a perfect world, we I mean we face this all the time. Our in a perfect world, we would not have to exist. But the fact that we have to exist for for all intents and purposes, we have to maintain ourselves as a separate organization. And I would imagine that that's kind of the same for you, because it it's kind of a win win based upon the circumstances. Because we would all love for these major league organizations to do what you are already doing but would you say that that 
as a result of that, this is the best case scenario because then you can exist and you can operate to the best of your ability as a separate organization? Or would you prefer a different setup where organizations would offer some sort of different setup or, or platform or whatever in order to help achieve the goal that you, you and your organization have set out to do? I love being a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Because I can do things within the system that a for-profit can't. Yep. People give me uh, more respect because we're doing this as a, as a nonprofit. We're, we're, we're doing it because we want to make the game a better place. And because of that, I have the ability to not only work with minor leaguers, but work with little leaguers and work with middle school and high school kids to, to work with Cubans. And we have a Cameroonian uh, little league who we're trying to send equipment to. And I'm on the, uh, you know, Olympic baseball team for Israel. And so when I go to Israel, help, and I, I lived in Israel for six months trying to help raise money for a field, wow. Wow. do a lot of things within the game. So uh, as a nonprofit, I'm allowed, I, I can put my finger in everything. And I love that. I love that I just have the freedom to work within the system to help players. On the other end, we do, we are, uh, we have an LLC as part of what we do where I can be hired as a consultant for major league teams, okay. which would help, which would help make more than baseball, uh, worth my time. If that makes sense. I, I understand what our, you're whole, saying. our whole team, our whole team's time, because you know, the money we bring in for, uh, the nonprofit, you know, it, there's only a certain amount that can go to overhead. And, right. you know, that's a whole conversation about the ethics of nonprofits. But, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, I want to be, I want to be, I want to work within the game so much that a major league team goes, yeah, like come in and work with us. Like right. come in and, and, you know, let's do something together to help these players. Right. Like, you know, if you're a minor league organization, I can go in to a minor league team and I can, um, I can help create wins. Right, wins, exactly. his, wins his yeah. goal to them. And I, you, I can work with, yeah, I can be a consultant to help create a better environment for players. Right. What are some of the things that you have been able to do with the little leaguers and the minor leaguers, or the middle schoolers and whatnot, now that you've mentioned that? Because obviously your your mission statement uh, speaks directly to minor league baseball, but if you're able to do all these other things like raise money for a field or get equipment and whatnot, can you give us some specific examples of what you've been able to do with some of these other organizations not necessarily affiliated with minor league baseball? So when it comes to like in America, so domestically, making sure that um, little leagues and people who love baseball, who want baseball, have access to 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 baseball. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's getting increasingly expensive. So, can we make it affordable for, for example, the Miracle League, which is a, which is a special needs baseball um, organization in Arizona? Uh, can we make sure that their their balls that they use there's the soft Easton makes the soft special ball? Right. Um, well, you know, Miracle League buys it for seven dollars. Okay. Can we make? Can we? Can we can we help them get it for four dollars? Right. Can we help buy them a bucket? Can we? What can we do to make more people play baseball? Right? Or can we help fix up a field? Can we help donate uniforms? Can we help just with a pizza party after a game or after a season um, to make more people enjoy and love baseball? That's kind of I'm doing what I can to give back to the game that gave me everything. Right. Um, when it comes to you know internationally in the Dominican Republic, we work with a group of major league players. Called Players for the Planet that uh, do beach cleanups. Well, could we do a lot of different? Yeah, could we do a lot of like a a clinic and a beach cleanup? And uh, um, could we coach these kids who, you know, some of them, you know, aren't as fortunate as others? Can we, can we make, 
uh, baseball is safe haven for them in an area. Yes, like the Dominican, that whole island loves baseball, but uh, not everybody's you know fortunate enough to have the ability to play it. So, um, you know, can we in Israel? There's one field right now. Right. Uh, it's outside of Tel Aviv, and they're building two more: one outside of uh, Jerusalem, and another one outside of uh, Tel Aviv. And so, um, can we make sure that not only do these kids have have uh, a field to play on, but the right equipment. Right. Um, can we make sure that gloves are affordable and make sure that batting gloves are accessible and, and the right type of bat, you know, uh, there's so many different things we can do on a community level. And it all comes down back to like, what can a minor league player bring value to this, to an organization like this? Right. And so, um, we're using this group of players to, to show that they have value. They receive something and they give something as well. Right. Um, and so I was tired of just having all of these players just kind of go off in the off season and, and have to get jobs at Walmart and target. And so I wanted to, um, make sure that they could kind of focus on their recovery and development in the off season, but then have the ability to do a clinic or a camp or a community event and have the ability to be, um, you know, paid for their appearance. Like, can we show that they have value in local in local industry and, and in the community. So, um, you know, hopefully this off season things will be back to normal and we can start to get into that. But, right. um, so yeah, I, I, I sh- I'm very actually, actually very glad that you've been able to do what you can in, in Israel, because the last time I watched the WBC watching team Israel was probably one of the most fun things I had done since, you know, it went in that tournament, it was so easy to root for them and they were they they seem to play baseball the right way, not just on the field with regard to strategy, but with regard to heart. And in in this case, you know, this kind of speaks to what you're doing as as almost a, a feeder system in that by influencing these uh, ball players, whether it be at the little league level or anywhere prior to the the minor league level, you are creating that that proper environment and that proper mindset to feed into the minor league system and it just seems to get perpetually better and better and better and that kind of speaks to the the Venn diagram of how your organization shares similar traits to our organization in understanding that there is a level of sportsmanship that goes beyond the game and you know our separate organizations attack it in 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 such great ways that are unique to them and i think really speaks to just the the you know the the heart that that you put into it and that your organization puts into it and that you know it's it's evident that you know you you for lack of a better term you get it and that's really important well, i also think <clears throat> and i'm sure you can agree with this jeremy is that you know, we the the similarities between both our organizations is that the willingness to help out those who are younger, like the right. the, the kids and that are just starting out, you you notice as you go on that the this sort of thing has a ripple effect later down the line, and um, it's a great way to spread the message. Right, right, and so if I can do if I can show a little leaguer who's thirteen who. Um, you know, has troubles at home or has troubles at school that there's a professional baseball player who knows his name, who cares about him, who, uh, you know, if this kid stays on the right path, they'll have the ability or the opportunity to be a professional baseball player and give back in the same exact way. Well, I'm creating this, this, um, this focus for this kid 
this individualized path is being set for him to show him that baseball can give him these things in his life. Right. Yeah. And so if he keeps on this path, he can be this professional baseball player uh, where this professional baseball player has been, you know, at this echelon maybe for two, three, four years, but he has this clout in on social media or in communities where uh, he can then go back and teach, um, you know, kids about how he got to this point and so uh, on that same vein we work with a company now called your success story uh started by this this uh, professor at arizona state called, uh, named dr lynn miller who is awesome and she has so many fingers in the game and it's great for us to work with her but she uh uh your success story is she goes into a classroom and teaches a group of students about paths to success about um how to think like um, a champion basically like how to set your day up or set your year up or set your schedule up or whatever it might be to find the most success possible and then she preps the class for uh one of these professional baseball players to come in and teach what got him to this point right and so these kids get to learn from this minor league baseball player um and the kid, the, the minor league baseball player gets to work on his public speaking skills, right? Or gets to work on his English for some, for some kids. And, um, like when I taught a class, I taught about, uh, 40 minutes, uh, about meditation and why meditation was important for me and what it mm. means to, you know, I was teaching a group of sixth graders and I was able to articulate what I was trying to say to, you know, 12 and 13 year olds, um, and I was able to, they were able to leave with something and they left with knowing that, you know, if they just take a step back and realize their breath or if they're stressed, they can do all of these different tools. Well, uh, you know, they're going to listen to a professional baseball player who they can Google and has a Wikipedia page or whatever. Uh, whereas if, uh, you know, some, what their gym teacher would have teach it to them, it wouldn't come across as well. And so as a professional baseball player, like, what can I do to give back to a 12, 13, 16, 18-year-old, you know, 8-year-old, where before more than baseball or before your organization, we, you know, that that wasn't possible. Right. And so more than baseball gives, now builds this connection between the power that a minor league baseball player has, a professional baseball player has in their communities, and then can bring it to reality by putting him in front of kids, by getting him in front of families, can and can teach, you know, they can teach each other kind of how to navigate in, in their daily lives, which I think is my, my favorite part of this organization is um, how I'm able to bring, you know, these players to these communities where it, it I exist because players are treated so poorly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I exist because uh, players, d you know, didn't have what they needed to develop because they got paid so, right. so low. Um, but, it, we acknowledge that they're being paid in this way, and we don't uh, we don't shame any party involved because it's tr it's legal right. for these players to be paid like this, according to the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938. Minor league baseball players are seasonal apprentices and should not be um, paid more. Right? Should not be acknowledged for their 40 plus hours a week of work or overtime. Uh, it doesn't apply to them, and so I exist because of that. Now it's been perpetuated, and obviously, right. if you were to change things, it would be a little bit better for players. But if players were being paid $15,000 a year, I would still exist because there would still be problems present. Right. Mm -hmm. Unless I get paid 28, 29, 30, 32 per, per year, uh, 
I'll still, at, even at that point, I'll still have things to do within the game. We'll still have the ability to work here. So we've created something that wasn't here before. Right. And we're using, we're using all of these different pieces to basically prove our point. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, to, to bring these two sides together and say, well, I can work within the game. You know, players are not afraid to work with us. Teams are not afraid to work with us. Adam Wainwright is not afraid to give us two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. Paul De Podesta is not afraid to use Big League Advance, one of his company, one of his companies, to work with us uh, because of how well we speak about the game and how we don't shame anybody into uh, doing the right thing. We we show and we provide results and we provide information and we provide solutions on what's going to make this a better space. And so, that's sportsmanship right there. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's such a great example of positive sportsmanship. Right, absolutely. The idea that you don't have to shame anybody. You can just step in and do the job. And, you know, that, that kind of sums it up right there. Um now, obviously, we, you know, unless people have been living under a rock, which might seem like a better alternative at this point to some people, we are obviously in very unprecedented times. Uh, you've mentioned uh, the, the donation from Adam Wainwright, and we've also seen some of the great things that you've been doing uh, via social media, uh, especially with things like grocery receipts and whatnot. Why don't you give us uh, some information on the specifics of what you've been able to do as a result of this pandemic and how you've been able to help uh, minor leaguers as they struggle with the rest of us, but in their obviously very specific situation? Right. So we had always wanted to build this player um, player grant program. Is there anything that we could do to um, allow players, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of relief? Uh, we just needed a major leaguer to trust us and believe in us. We needed like a reason for them to um, to work with us. They'd known about us. Big leaguers have known about us, but nobody. Uh, and Adam Wainwright is the perfect. Uh, person to start this ball rolling to because uh, he does so much good within the game. Right. He has he runs Big League Impact, which is a group of basically the highest echelon major leaguers who are uh, uh, going back and assisting community development projects, and and they've done an incredible job. And so our organization is built for a player grant program. And so he heard about us uh, through MLBPA, and he's like, I want to help my you know, players on the Cardinals organization and the MLBPA went to us and was like, what can you do? And it's like, done, player grant program. We sent them the information within an hour of them requesting it. Uh, everything was already set up. We just needed uh, the ability to enact, you know, enable this program to, to run. And so every major leaguer has the ability to give to this player grant program. And he can designate where he wants his assistance to go. So Adam Wainwright said, I wanted to go to this population of Cardinals players. And so now we um, take in the Cardinals information, the Cardinals players information, and we see if they're uh, no priority, low priority, medium priority, or high priority. Um, obviously, you know, higher priority is $10,000 signing bonus, you know, has nothing in the bank, has student loan debt, has whatever, uh, where assisting him now, now that Major League Baseball, uh, you know, has said that after April 8th, they will decide on whether or not minor leaguers will be paid for the duration of the hiatus. Uh, at first, minor leaguers weren't going to be paid, but then uh, the Tampa Bay Rays gave their players $800 for uh, two weeks, basically, of two weeks of, of, of stipend, um, and every other team followed suit. And so 
this is such a copycat environment, copycat league that if Adam Wainwright gives, you know, if CC, can CC Sabathia give? Can David Wright give? Can, um, you know, can other major leaguers give to this program that can either go to the whole of Major League Baseball, which gives us access to every single player? Can we work with them? Can we find who's medium, low, high priority? Um, or, uh, you know, in this case, just the Cardinals. So we have some players on the Padres who want to give to this program, who want to go back and help their minor leaguers who probably won't be paid after April 8th, who will have um, tons of issues getting jobs or finding work or staying in shape. Um, guys who just got the short end of the stick and they're like, we're in spring training, had, you know, had what they needed at the, you know, the very little that they needed. They weren't being paid for spring training, but, you know, there was a bit of, they had a hotel to stay in and they had, you know, two meals a day or three meals a day at the complex. And then, um, you know, but major leaguers know how difficult it is and we needed a catalyst to bring more major leaguers into the organization. So that's number one. On the other hand, we have a, uh, we're starting with Our Baseball Life, which is a group of um, players' wives. Um, they're, a, they're an organization that teams major league families up with minor league families or, or families that need assistance. And so uh, we're building this minor league player fund for families, players with kids, um, where the money will be designated based on need and how many children they have and whoever um, to help assist players with kids and then we have uh, a bunch of different um, ideas on how to bring more people corporate sponsors we're doing a food bank um, we're working with um, I'm trying to get uh, the owner of the owner of kind bars is an uh, alumna of Trinity University which is where I went um, we're trying to get kind on board to help us run a a food program. Can we help assist food banks in local minor league towns who are affected by uh, the hiatus? Um, can we assist minor league towns who, you know, maybe won't have a season this year or, um, you know, and so we, we're looking for corporate sponsors for that. We're running an e-gaming program with Bank of America where um, minor league players and major league players are going to be able to play a season of Call of Duty or FIFA or whatever with um, fans, but they'll be, you know, fans will be able to watch and, um, and participate and and to be part of this environment. And so everybody is starting to see now that, you know, even though there's something like this, you know, fundraising and charity work and giving back to the community doesn't stop. It just has to be mended. And so more than baseball is able to put their, our finger on everything because uh, we, our mission is to make sure baseball is a better place. And by doing that, we can make sure that communities and fans and people have what they need during a time of crisis, which is right now. Right. And so we're making sure that when things get back to normal, all of these different projects are are going to continue, and not just you know doing all of these things because we're bored and we have nothing to do, but to make sure that this is now that we have this this global platform and this national platform we've been in all the major publications, except for the failing New York Times, and how can we? work with work within these these organizations and put good press around what baseball is doing for people and in that when i work with when i speak to a reporter um and boston globe or wall street journal and he goes well what are you doing i go no no what are we doing what are minor league baseball players is doing so um fans you know no minor league baseball because of the the article that gets sent around every year this is why minor league baseball players aren't paid yada 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 and that's it Okay, but now more than baseball is here to ensure that that's going to change. Right. Now there's substance behind that. Now there's solutions behind that. And so we're doing what we can with what we have to make sure 
baseball is going to be better off when this is all over. Right. Have you seen? Uh, you know, obviously, the you know we, you've seen the ground swell prior to this pandemic. Have you seen it? increase even more as a result of it as if we're trying to find some sort of silver lining in this i mean we're all kind of you know in a different state of mind right now uh but have have, you know is there a way to spin that you know in a positive way as a result of this because it seems like the potential is there and if you can continue down this path you can really you know turn what has been you know a, a rough month plus to into you know one of the best things that could happen for you know your your cause, even though you know we we had this pandemic. Is there a way to to spin that? Is there a way to look at it that way? Is there a way to, you know, just just try and you know make the best of a situation as a result of that? Yeah. So when all of this started, there were players who were being forced home. Right. Well, a lot of players had nothing to go home to, and so one of the players was sent home from spring training was forced back to his home in Venezuela. And the team gave him a flight, but they didn't give him any money for a taxi from the airport to uh, Venezuela. Well, he or to his home in Venezuela, which is seven hours away, and he wasn't being paid for spring training, and so he had no money because the money that he was making in the off season went to his family, his family who I think might be homeless or close to homeless right now. Um, you know, so we we had never given money before. We were not designed to take in money and then just pay players. Right. Uh, that's not what we do. That's not what we're about. We give players access to things that they need, and we'll help subsidize the cost at certain points, and we'll help them buy equipment. But we won't, uh, A, we won't give it to them, and we also don't give cash. It's never anything that we did. Okay. But we realized that uh, with the need of this kid goes, I can't get back to my home. The taxi, only a taxi can take me, and a taxi's seven hours away. It's going to cost me a hundred bucks. And so we, as a group, we said, okay, we have to assist him. We have to make sure this kid has what he needs because his team isn't making sure he has what he needs. Right. Okay. So on a very a micro level, I can work with um, a player to go. This is this is what I can do to help assist you um, right now. I can I can give you this uh, assistance, and in return, like. Do some community development project with us or speak about us on social media right. or become an ambassador for us. So that's that's number one. On the other hand, something like this, a crisis like this, will always have people who are willing to give what they have to make sure that the community is better off or that the community is taken care of. Right. And so Adam Wainwright, who, you know, has made um, a good career for himself in, in professional baseball, goes, what can I do to push um, this initiative forward where I can, I can give a certain amount of, of money to this organization to make sure that they can do the work that they want to do. And so in the darkness, there is light that comes through. It's people who are willing to give on, on a, even without money. It's, it's the families. It's Michael Rivers of uh, Adopt a Minor Leaguer. It's Emily Walden who writes for The Athletic. It's so many different people who go like, what can I do to assist this group of people who are less fortunate than I am? And Michael Rivers is uh, sponsored over 250 players in the Adopt a Minor Leaguer program, which we help support. Um, the fund has raised close to $8,000. We make sure that um, minor league fans can, or you know, baseball fans can get, send a care package to a, ma- a minor league player. Uh, Michael Rivers has built this incredible group and has had you know 4,000 Twitter followers and however much time because he's showing the light that's in baseball, right? This fan wants to help this player, and we built that connection to them. Right. We're enabling this to happen. Before us, 
there was nothing. Player needs assistance. Player needs any question. If he has a legal question, if he needs help getting, he, it's just not there for him. And so we're making, we're building all of these connections to make this environment a better place. And we hope that in the future, Major League Baseball, you know, can work with us or we can work with them to, to help create this environment for the long term. If they're not gonna pay players, and we know that. They're going to pay them about 25% more starting in 2021, but we also know that um, they're going to cut 42 minor league baseball teams. That means 42 minor league baseball towns are going to be without um, something that represents them, the, uh, the socioeconomic um, bond between baseball and their community is going to be gone. So what can we do to help assist those communities as they either transfer tra you know, into a non-baseball town or an independent baseball town? Well, what about um, you know, all of these players who are going to be out of a job or coaches who are going to be out of a job? And we know that the draft this year is only going to be five rounds, 20 rounds next year. And so the whole environment is shaping itself up to having these players, having there be less players in minor league baseball. Well, I'll still need to be here because these players aren't going to be treated as they should. Right. And so... Um, we, with the environment changing more than baseball has built itself in a way that can change with the environment to ensure that we are in need and necessity moving forward. And so we hope that, um, I do all of these interviews, hoping that Rob Manfred's listening and goes, you know what? I think that's a great idea I'd right. like to bring them in. That's, that's pretty much all of the public thing. That's why we talk this way. Right. You know, I could be upset. I could be angry. I could sue Major League Baseball. I can become, I could try to build a union. I can do all of this stuff. But if I were to do that, I wouldn't have the impact at the community level. And I wouldn't have the support of minor league baseball players behind me. And because I have those two things, I'm way more valuable. That's very true. Now, you know, you raise a good point with regard to, you know, the, the contraction of minor league baseball. And I didn't put two and two together to think that. You know the the change to the draft this year, as a result of you know the situation right now, is playing into the hand of that. Um, what can we do to make the best of that situation? Because obviously, it appears that all of these things are on the horizon. Even though we obviously have you know bigger fish to fry right now, uh, you know timelines might be altered in some to, to whatever degree necessary. But there, you know, the the writing is still somewhat on the wall. So what can we do, knowing that when this pandemic has come to an end, that there are still these issues that have to be dealt with? you know, in, in whatever way possible, because it seems like we're not going to be able to avoid them. But as you have done, you've kind of rolled with the punches and provided the opportunity and the resources for us to make the best of the situation and thus positively impact those who are going to be affected. What can uh, listeners and everyone as a result do to further that, knowing that this is on the horizon? Uh, I think that's I mean, it's an interesting point, right? We know that 42 teams are going to be cut. Right. What's going to be of the teams and the communities? What's going to be of the coaches and players? What's going to be of the concession worker? What's going to be of, um, you know, the general manager of the organization? What's going to become of this, this industry in these areas when these teams go away? Uh, honestly, I would tell people to buckle up and brace for impact right. because Major League Baseball does not care that they're getting rid of these teams. It's the bottom line thing, and what's going to save them money is cutting these teams. Teams that, and they're mostly short season teams in the Appy, in the Appalachian League, and the New York Penn League. 
Okay, so we know we know which teams. Then if I were a politician in this area, if I was the governor or the mayor of these towns, if I was um, a kid, if I was whoever, I would acknowledge that Major League Baseball is going to uh, get rid of my team. I would, I would say to people, enjoy the 2020 season if it does happen. Um, but I would prep. Um, I would try to make sure that I wasn't scrambling to put together an independent league or an independent team after my after the affiliation is gone. Okay. And I, from from Major League Baseball, you know, I'd say uh, they're doing what they can to to spend money where they need to when it comes to something like this. And it's it's obvious that they don't want um, to spend the money on short season baseball anymore. And, and, you know, there's arguments for and against it. And if you've played in it and whatever, you know, it's, it's good baseball. It needs, I believe it needs to be there. I, I think it's good for, um, it's always good to be out of the spring training complex, which is more, more players are going to stay there until they get into short season or until, until they get into full season ball, which is a double A triple A. Right. And so, um, with less players comes, you know, less opportunities for guys. But uh, with less players, we'd hope that players will be treated better from their organizations because of the more focus that can be put on them. If there's 120 players instead of 200 players, that that'll obviously be better for the players that remain. But with 20 rounds less in the draft, or uh, there's just less opportunity, and does that grow baseball? Right? right. At the end of the day, what's better for the game? less players and less minor league towns or same minor league towns and make it as efficient as possible to develop these players while keeping baseball in Johnson City, Tennessee, keeping baseball in Kingsport, Tennessee, keeping baseball in, um, you know, in, in, in these minor league towns that are going to be taken away. So my stance is obviously keep the teams and make it more efficient for players to develop there. Um, but, you know, with 42 teams leaving, Burlington – Burlington, you know, New Hampshire, or Burlington, Vermont is going to lose their team. Um, you know, what can we do in Burlington to make sure that baseball still stays strong there? And so uh, if, if, one of, if Major League Baseball's mission is to be strong in, the, in their small communities, then I, I, would, I would strongly vote against cutting teams. Um, but, you know, for, for a baseball fan and that's losing their single-A affiliation, um, you know, what does that mean for either his future in baseball, his love of baseball, his support of baseball, uh, but his next closest opportunity to go see a game is maybe four or five hours away in, at, in, you know, at Fenway Park, which is already expensive enough to get to, and it's just going to be, um, it's going to drive fans away from the game when there's less opportunity to watch baseball. And so um, I want more people to watch baseball, right? I want more people to love baseball. And so I say create more teams, right? Because more communities are going to be involved in the game, but uh, when when communities are being taken away from baseball, like you know, it's my mission to make sure that these people still enjoy it and have access to. And so, you know, we we don't know. We we truly don't know what's going to come of it. You heard it here first, people. Baseball hates Tennessee. Okay, I want that sure. on the record. I'm just kidding. Um, what about the the? I mean, I, there was a news report some time ago probably within the last year after this story broke. And it seemed like it was trying to be spun a certain way in that by contracting these teams, baseball has the opportunity to better serve the minor leaguers that will remain by raising salaries and so on and so forth. Is Was that accurate from your standpoint? And 
can that benefit thus be spun in a way that you know you can you, you kind of have to give to take a little bit what what would what would your reaction to something like that be when we first heard the news mm-hmm and we we first found out that every team voted to contract minor league baseball, not just you know ten or fifteen, but every team. Uh, and then we started to understand the numbers behind it. If now we know that salaries are going to be increased by twenty five percent per level, right? So if you're making, uh, I suck at math, but if you're making sixteen uh, hundred dollars a month in single A, you're going to make roughly. Two thousand dollars a month when this thing happens. Now, for seven months a year, so multiply that by seven. I'm not good at math, but is that enough to make minor league baseball more efficient for the for the player? We count to four for a living over here, so we're (laughs) in the same boat, you know. (laughs) So if so if this player is now making instead of ten thousand dollars a year, fourteen thousand dollars a year playing professional baseball, is that going to help his career and performance? Is that going to help his? his ability to develop and ability to recover and his ability to um, provide for his family. So you it know, assists, one of the, yeah. but it still leaves places for you to exist. I will exist until players make $30,000 a year. Okay. And even then, I'll still have an opportunity right. to exist because of the community development outreach. But, you know, a kid's going to go, man, I have $4,000 more. That's so great. Uh, you know, hey, team, can you help me get bats? And the team's going to say no. Hey, can you help me get equipment? The team's going to say no. Hey, I need a glove. Can you give me a discount? No. So I will still be here. There's no change in what I'm doing. There'll just be less players to work with, unfortunately. Right. What about the idea, and again, this is just kind of like thinking off the top of my head a little bit. We've been we've been trying to find ways to find the silver lining and whatnot. And obviously it's terrible that there will be contraction. And we've made the point, or you've made the point, that these towns need to brace for impact and we can only hope that baseball will remain in some sort of capacity be it independent ball or whatever the case may be there has been success with some of that i mean we look at the atlantic league we're right here smack in the middle of it the somerset patriots are you know an hour from where we are and we've seen the relationship that the atlantic league has with major league baseball not just because of the rules that they test and whatnot but the fact that there is some sort of symbiotic relationship with the way that players can be uh you know purchased from the the atlantic league back to contracts on major league teams and whatnot would something like this be able to be spun in a way where if teams can create these franchises in these leagues that they can still give athletes and baseball players the opportunity to play uh with the hope that they can then reach you know that level of minor league baseball that they once had i'm obviously it's not a a perfect situation but is that the best uh way that we can make uh good out of a bad situation I don't know. I don't know if you can create a good from a situation like this, mm-hmm. because right now you have 42 minor league baseball towns and teams that, that are going to not be affiliated with minor league baseball, with baseball anymore, with professional baseball anymore, uh, or let's say affiliated baseball. Okay. Um, if every single one of these teams decides to become an independent league 
say the Appalachian League becomes an independent baseball league, you'll have consistent talent come through these towns, perhaps a closer connection between the fans and players. If you've ever, I mean, you're close to an independent league right. town, but if you know anything about independent baseball, the community that surrounds an independent baseball team can be, can be even stronger because these guys, um, you know, can receive more assistance from their team or their community, or they're less bound by major league baseball's rules and standards. And so if the, uh, let's say, for example, Johnson City Cardinals, um, their affiliation with the Cardinals are no more. And then if they become an independent baseball team, will the baseball fans in Johnson City still go support? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, but when the Cardinals say, I don't want to be in Johnson City anymore, what's that going to say to a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid or a family you know, who can spend $60 at a ball game, right. you know, is it even worth going anymore? Right. And so there are, there are different angles to look at it. Uh, there are different ways to, um, to, to find a silver lining in something like this. But at the end of the day, there, there are 42 minor league baseball teams that will no longer be minor league baseball teams anymore. And it's what the ownership of these independent, you know, these teams decide to do, uh, you know, maybe they, you know, a lot of the times this, the city owns the stadium or a lot of the times, um, you know, the ownership between, you know, uh, let's just say, for example, the Johnson City Cardinals can be independently owned from the St. Louis Cardinals. So um, at what point, you know, are they going to be businessmen about it and understand, like, this is what we should do with our situation or our money? I, I truly don't know. Um, I know that minor league baseball and independent league baseball is profitable, um, but is is fan support going to be there? Right. Uh, we we truly won't know until we get to that point. Right, because it seems like I mean we also have uh, the Trenton Thunder right here, Double A team of the Yankees, and you have to wonder, you know, is is the just the Yankee brand attached to it? What what drives it? Um, you know, dr- drives their profit up. But if you took that away, how would that affect that i mean we've had the thunder's been here since 1994 and uh you know when 94 hit we were you know people were running to it just because it was baseball they were affiliated with the tigers at that point and i'll never forget it in that season uh we had tony clark the mlbpa chief as our mvp of the trenton thunder and we retired his number and whatnot and and there was that drive but again you were affiliated with major league baseball and you had the drive of baseball returning to the greater trenton area they then switched over to the red sox we had nomar garcia para here we you know then we switched over to the yankees after the turn of the century and whatnot and so there's all these different driving forces but the question is are those driving forces enough to continue things on the trend that they're on was, now <clears throat> was 94 the year of the strike it was so you it was a very interesting year in that so people just wanted to get back to baseball i would assume the, and and because minor league baseball was not affected by the strike you still had the minor league baseball season going on even mm-hmm. though the major league teams uh were not playing so mm-hmm. there was again another outside force that probably helped this team turn a profit Mm. You know, it was it was just a weird. I, I, I guess the way, the thing to say is that these are all unique situations. You know, it's a very it's a it, there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of common things that we can see in 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 a lot of different ways. But case by case, it, exactly. But but I mean, we, just this conversation that we're having now highlights so many different things that 
are so specific to where we are now, what we're facing right now. I mean, we, we had all these different issues on the table, and then a pandemic hits, for crying out loud. That throws everything up in the air and becomes a juggling act. So it's important that we continue to talk about this stuff. It's important mm. that we continue to um, raise awareness, that we continue to raise funds, we continue to, to keep the faith, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, in, in, in light of all this, Jeremy, what else can, if we give you the floor, what else can you say about this? What else needs to be said that, that people need to know uh, about the organization, about what you've done during the pandemic, what you can continue to do, what people can continue to support, uh, and so on as we move forward in these uncertain times? You know, I, people should, you know, you know, focus on their family and their health and, and what they need to do before they start focusing on on baseball i, I think in, in another time if it was another thing if it was you know something completely different i'd say yeah like you know do what you can to help support your local community and right. your local baseball thing but like let's you know let's make sure that they're taken care of that their families are are healthy and safe and then after that yes yeah, then we could talk about <laughs> that makes sense uh, yeah right. you know, baseball sure yeah I, but on, on a in a baseball sense you know they can help support a minor league baseball player by um, giving to the, um, the the fund, the the fan fund, uh, that money is going to go to. Like you had mentioned previously, um, we gave seventy five dollars for uh, reimbursement to you know, you know, other groceries. So we helped. We spent about seven thousand dollars helping eighty baseball players uh, get groceries. That's great. Uh, that's really Im- yeah. It's really important for us to do something like that. It's you know seventy five bucks to a lot of people is a lot of money, and so you know with fan support we were able to uh, to do to do that. And I, I'm really proud of the work. If that's all more than baseball did, I'd be really proud of the ability to do that. Right. Um, and so. Um, you know, that's that's one thing. The other thing is you can work with adopt a minor leaguer uh, and you can sponsor a player moving forward, you know, build that relationship between you and the player. Uh, you know, you give um, I, I don't know. I don't know specifics off the top of my head, but, you know, about uh, two care packages per season. Uh, it could be snacks. It could be equipment. It could be whatever. But it goes directly to the player right. for things that he needs to help him. Uh, on the field, you know, we, we never want, again, this organization wasn't built to just, you know, Hey, have someone give a thousand dollars to a specific player. That's not what we do, but we can help if a, a fan wants to give a thousand dollars, it'll go to the community to help. And, and we can make sure that it goes to the player of his choice. Um, say he goes to our website and clicks the give button on more than baseball.org. He can pick, pick a specific player that he wants to, uh, assist say it's, uh, you know, um, Joe Smith of, you know, Jimmy Lipper of whoever, right? Uh, Joe Smith is still pitching, I think, isn't he? As a, as a sidearm yeah, right yeah, hand. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. So let's say Jimmy Lipper. There's no one Jimmy Lipper is in baseball okay. anymore. So say say fan wants to give $1,000 to Jimmy Lipper. Well, it'll be designated for Jimmy Lipper, but we have to decide. Uh, we have to work with Jimmy on how to uh, best utilize that money for okay. him. If it's if it's equipment, if it's gas money, if it's, you know, can we buy, can we get him a, uh, you know, help him get a meal at Chili's, whatever, whatever right. it might be. Um, they have the baby you know, back ribs, have, so yeah. Fans, of course they have the baby back ribs, yeah. but fans have the ability to, to, um, gain some autonomy in a situation like this um, where sure structural change will come from when major league baseball decides that uh, what I'm doing is good for the game. Mm -hmm. uh, But I can work with fans and with um, 
former major leaguers or former minor leaguers, um, current, current anybody to create a better environment for these players to play in. So, for example, if I have a kid in Des Moines, Iowa, who's like, I have no opportunities to work right now. I, I can't pay any of my bills. Well, we can connect him with fans in Des Moines, Iowa that can help him get a job. Or we can work with former major leaguers who live in Des Moines, Iowa to help him um, get a job or find assistance or find a host family. So um, there's so many different things that we can do to help players individually. And then as a community, we can come together for you know one of these this our bank of america e-gaming event um or individual you know uh you know you can play your favorite minor leaguer in a video game on twitch which i don't know how that works because uh i have no idea how any of that works uh and i know you guys definitely don't so i'm we won't even go there listen but, i just uh, want to take somebody down in halo okay i don't know how it works online or whatnot but some minor hey, leaguer halo, is going this, to feel 2010? my 2010 nobody you, plays halo <laughs> see that's the problem <laughs> Uh, so I don't, I don't, to, to be honest with you, there are so many different things that more than baseball can do that we are doing that fans just, just it, it, it send us an email, you know, Jeremy at more than baseball.org. Uh, and just tell us how you're interested in assisting. We have so many different programs and stuff, um, you know, where they can give to one, they can give to another, they can, you know, become a host family. When the season starts, they can become a sponsor for a player, um, you know, more than baseball is doing what it can in an environment like this to help assist, uh, to help bring the game together when everyone's more distant. And right. so um, I, I hope that, uh, you know, it comes across in, 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 you know, what I'm saying that, you know, everybody has the ability to uh, assist a minor leaguer. And if you're like, ah, you know, he's just a professional baseball player, you know, shut up and dribble. Well, you know, we're doing things to show you that these players are more than just athletes um, and, and showing that they have families to take care of, showing that, yes, this window of professional baseball, you know, yes, they don't have to go play professional baseball. Nobody's put a gun to their head. But if I'm assisting somebody on his in his path to the his dream right uh, I, i'm doing i'm doing good for this individual right, right? and you know 93 percent of the time he won't even make it to the major leagues and the seven percent that does make it to the major leagues are first through fifth rounders and even though first rounders can do something in our organization they can get assistance in career services or financial guidance uh they don't need the equipment or the sponsored program that's not really for them um but everybody has the ability to work with us. If you're a 30 first rounder like me or a first rounder like my partner, Slay Heathcott, uh, you know, everybody, every fan, every whoever who loves baseball, this is a way to show that, you know, I do love baseball and this is what I can do to give back to the game. Because then that player who you assist is going to give back to the game too. And because you helped him maybe play another year in minor league baseball, maybe he um, changed the kid's life when he was there. Maybe something, you know, something will come of that. So, um, you know, we're always looking for people who, who believe in the game and want to give back. Slade is a great person to have on your team, too. I think he came through Trenton, if I'm not mistaken, in the Yankee system. So He did. Yeah, yeah see? Ten years, in, ten years in, uh, in minor league baseball, about a year in the big leagues, and was a, I think he was like 15th or 18th overall in 2009. I think I still remember uh, a game where he – did he have a walk-off against the Tampa Bay Rays a couple of years ago? Or is that just me like dreaming uh, about Yeah, I think his first career home run was like a go-ahead home run yeah. in Tampa. He, it's, he lived in Tampa. His family was there. Uh, and then A Rod was like the first one out of the dugout. Right. Um, 
you know, kind of thing. So, well, Slade uh, doesn't know us, but tell him hi for all of us, even though he has no idea who we are. But, um, you know, we, we can't thank you enough, Jeremy, for hopping on. Uh, you know, we know that these are unprecedented times, but you have proven to be doing such good work. And we are we're we're blessed to to have you in our family and to continue to promote the work that you do. Um, you know, we 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 always echo every sentiment that you that you put out there, and, and we're in your corner. And uh, we we encourage our listeners: please go to morethanbaseball.org, uh, follow them on social media, talk to Jeremy, whatever you can do in these unprecedented times you know no, nothing is too small or whatever what even if it's trying to go back to 2010 to play halo which nobody plays <laughs> anymore apparently um i'm just going to go home and cry because i'm still thinking about halo and need to work on my life but anyway uh jeremy thank you so much again uh and uh we hope to talk to you again soon hopefully when people are not hunkered down in uh, in fear right no 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 thank you again like uh, I really enjoy these these conversations. It shows that you know, sports has this intrinsic impact in our daily lives. Obviously, like look what we're doing without without basketball to watch or right. golf or tennis or whatever it might be. Like you know, sports is is valuable to us both extrinsically and intrinsically. And I think um, more conversations like this show us like what we can do to make sports a better place for. For everybody so now i appreciate the time and uh you know i'm looking forward to working with you guys moving forward amen brother amen you stay well stay out of trouble and uh watch out for uh corona with lime so yeah, thank you. well everybody that's uh that's all the time for today on uh how you play the game uh as always follow us on the the interwebs and whatnot and uh, we'll be uh, sending out more episodes soon since we're not following the rubric anymore uh, Sean, thank you very much for what you've been doing. Thank you. And uh, once again, everybody, until next time, treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osipfoundation.org.